0: A man wants see me Ally out back can't come in here what is he white oh, boy. so what's the score?
1: we're sending a man that works we're here for a very special movie. episode you may have seen the title and been like what the heck that's not a that's not a unknown movie and you're right this is a special episode and we have a very special person with us and uh, if you're wondering why we're doing this uh, we'll ask yourself why do cats meow? They just do. So we're just doing it. <laughs> Welcome to Coda Known. I'm Alan Geis. I'm Trevor McCoy.
0: And I'm Kylie Black.
1: With us right now is the the master, the the finance guru, the sultan of SWAT, uh, <laughs> J- Jake Mazza. Mazza, how the heck you doing? I th- I think your mic's muted. Or he's doing a funny bit.
2: Uh, I'm good. good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
1: (laughs) Tempted to keep that in the edit. We shall see.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So this is, uh, I I think the reason we decided to do this was because it was like, oh, wow, like a Soderbergh movie we actually want to see. I mean, I don't know how you guys felt about that Meryl Streep on a boat movie, but I was like, I wasn't dying to see it. No, no no shade, as the kids say, on Uh, like. What were you going to say? Oh, I was gonna
3: I was gonna ask you guys before we get into this movie like what your relation to relationship is to Sodenberg movies because for me he's pretty hit or miss
1: yeah yeah I mean it's not like someone that I'm like fuck yeah his whole filmography like does it for me but I'd be lying if I didn't say that the oceans movies for me are like the pinnacle of entertainment and I just like We'll watch them on repeat endlessly, and I realize that that is a controversial statement. I mean, there's some people that genuinely hate those movies. I, I, I think they're pretty much perfection. So uh, come
3: at me. Those are so fun. So How about only, you, Jake or Kylie? Oh yeah.
0: So the only Soderbergh films I've seen are Contagion and Logan Lucky. I enjoyed Logan Lucky. I like. I wasn't crazy about it, but like I enjoyed it. Contagion, not so much. Um, then it came true, which wasn't fun.
3: No.
0: Wait. <laughs> so, did you just... see
1: it before?
0: Yeah, I saw it in I saw it in science class in high school, before the <laughs> pandemic happened. Oh. And so then, when it happened, I was like, "It's Contagion." But
1: yeah. Um, teacher, are we watching The Sandlot? No, we're gonna we're gonna watch your future.
0: Oh. Well, they no. had they had like rules that like if you're gonna watch a film, it has to be related to like science. So we watched, we watched like two films. We watched like Gattaca and Contagion. (laughs) They always show Gattaca. I saw
3: Gattaca in my science class as well. Yeah. I
0: like it though. I
1: liked it. It's good.
3: Yeah. I remember
1: actually missing that day. And then it it was like, they didn't see the last 15 minutes, like time ran out. So I showed up to class and we saw the last 15 minutes. I was like, what is happening? Oh (laughs) my
2: God. Uh, I was just a... ruining does... a great movie. Yeah.
0: But he does have this film. I don't think anybody, there's a series that was on Cinemax, like, years ago called The Nick.
3: Che? Oh, The Nick.
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't know if he did another one, but it was directed by Soderbergh. He didn't write it, but he just, like, it... anyway, he, I think they're bringing it back, but it only had, like, two seasons, and it was really good. It was, like, about this hospital in the early 19, like, 1901, um, mm. like, short for Knickerbocker, and this, like, doctor who has a heroin addiction. Jesus.
1: Great. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, always fun. addictions. Always interesting. Always so fun. let me ask you guys this. When did you find out about this movie? Cause I don't think I'm exaggerating when I think I found out about it like a month ago that I
3: realized it existed. Same here. I got, I got like an ad for it and I was like, Holy shit. All these people that I love. Yeah. Are in a movie. Yeah. Yeah.
2: M- maybe a it. month ago, maybe a month yeah. ago. And it was just like Hulu popped it up and I, I saw Kieran Culkin, and I was blown away that he was in a Soderbergh movie. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. But you know what? So spoilers. I knew he was going to get shot. I knew he was going to get shot in the fucking head the moment I saw him, because that always happens to this guy for some reason. The <laughs> wild card kind of character? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, heard I it love was, Kieran. I heard it was this close yeah. from happening in Scott Pilgrim. Just saying. No. But, uh, <laughs> so... Well, that, that's so interesting. Oh, Kylie, is it the same for you about a month ago?
0: No. I found out about it when you told me about it.
1: <laughs> okay. So. I thought you were about to be like, no, I've actually – this has been on my radar for, like, months and months. No, but I wonder if this is some, like, strategy of, like, ooh, keep it on the down low. Because he did some sort of – it was, a like, a box office strategy for how – how the money gets divvied out for Logan Lucky. So I wonder if it was purposely like, "Hey, we're gonna like keep this on the low, low until like a month before release." Maybe because they knew it was coming out on like direct to HBO. I th-
3: I think it's a lot to do with. I think that's just how he kind of makes movie. He does them really quick and efficiently, and there's never like, I I think he he never causes press like press around it. There's never set photos or anything. I don't. I just don't think he cares about that side of the business. Yeah. So it's like kind of more of a- just a surprise. Here it is. Yeah, and I know which, this started filming in November of 2019 and then had to adjust to COVID.
1: Oh, shit. So yeah. they came back at some point then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. See, man, like bless those like makeup and wardrobe people. I, I couldn't even like I wouldn't have noticed like everything, you know.
3: Also, totally original, different cast was supposed to be a part of it. Like, they went into pre-production in November, and they had, like, Clooney and a couple—I think Nick Cage, too. And then, like, they scrapped it. Yeah. I
1: want the Nick Cage version of this movie. What the fuck? <laughs> he yeah. he would
3: definitely have been Frazier's character, I feel like.
1: Yeah, he is Doug Jones for sure. Yeah. Oh, kill the, kill the kids. Just call just yeah. them, man. Oh. <laughs> that, that's that's about as good as my Nick Cage goes. Um. Uh, and now a message from our sponsors, watch pig this, uh, this July. No, I was just kidding. <laughs> so let, let's, let's talk about the movie. Um, this is a, as, as one reviewer put it, it's like a, a lighthearted, uh, crime movie happening in what is this? It's like, this is the fifties, right? Yeah. It's happening mm-hmm. around like the 1950s.
3: 57.
1: Yeah. So there's this kind of like, I didn't see it coming this whole kind of hidden thing about the uh, automotive industry, but it also felt very Soderbergh. His movies always, uh, I'm definitely not a a Soderbergh scholar, but his movies always seem to be about the little guy getting the upper hand on the big guy. Right. Uh, Just like in, in basically all the oceans movies. Right. And so, yes, by the end of it, it was like, Oh yeah, this is totally his movie, but going into it, uh, you could have maybe thought this was a new Yorgos Lanthimos movie by uh, those crazy-ass wide angles that never went away, ever, no matter what was
3: happening.
0: What? I was not
3: a fan theory? of that.
0: There, yeah. They're using some sort of lens because there is a distortion often in the wide shot. Yeah. That was like, I, the only, you only use with like certain lenses, like you know?
3: Yeah, yeah, I listened to a podcast where he was talking about the lenses. He didn't say the specific kind, but he said... These are not lenses that would get off the bench at Panavision. that's why I liked them, so that's why he picked it. Yeah, he the, said he wanted to make it look like the 30s like wide shots, yeah.
0: yeah they were definitely like longer they they, I, they had to be mostly longer focal length because there was a lot of like scenes where it was like you could tell the distortion between the background and the and then mm-hmm. usually like at least what I've seen like it, it feels like those wide shots that are sort of angled at the ends only happen with like really long lens lengths.
3: Mhm.
0: A lot
1: of distortion going on for sure,
3: especially during the tracking shots. I found it kind of distracting, like when like there was movement of the camera too. I was like, oh, this is yeah.
0: Yeah, because it it sort of seems round on the edges, and then you go straight, and it like turns, it it, it mm-hmm. shifts in a way, and it's like very noticeable. You like you can see it wobbling slightly because it's like trying to keep yeah. focus and.
3: And those shadows on the edges they put there purposely. use like it was just like in those corners it was too much. So they put those shadows, like, to make it look like fisheye, kind of. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This guy's doing everything. He's the DP under a pseudonym. He's mm-hmm. the... What What else was he? Um, I know he's doing at least another job. Oh, probably he was editing. it
0: only... He
3: what, was the DP, our... yeah.
1: Yeah which he's done before as Peter Andrews mm-hmm. and there's another pseudonym it's like Mary something oh edited he definitely edited he like I think at this point always edits. I think it's himself. his
3: father and mother's names he goes yeah. under yeah. yeah why
0: did he go under a pseudonym though
3: he because he wanted to put like um written and directed by and shot by he wanted it to be an all-in-one uh card but then the and like people every the DGA was fine with it but then the WGA is like no, you have to have a screenwriting credit come before the cinematographer, and he didn't want to be, he's like he said he hates seeing credits where then like you're watching credits, and like the director producer's name pops up like five different times on screen. He just wants to be up there once, so then he thought instead of breaking it up and doing it twice, he'd rather just do a fake name
1: yeah, which yeah, he'd done several times before
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, the big thing that really brought me to this movie other than just soderbergh and the all-star cast is hearing brendan Fraser's gonna be in it and it's like holy shit bring it on and i know one of you guys was wondering like what has been happening to this guy and special guest jake jake maz maserati you you know all about this situation why don't you enlighten us a little bit about what's going on with the
2: with the phrase. i mean but before there was the me too movement there was brendan frazier he got pushed out of Hollywood for a little bit because a director made a move on him. And that was a big deal. And then oh. on The Mummy, what really threw him off, because you remember Brendan Fraser was in shape, like unbelievable. He was Tarzan. Or Man. the Man. He was Encino yeah. Man. Uh, <laughs> he, he almost died on the set of The Mummy. When they tried to hang him, he passed out and almost hung oh, on the set of The Mummy. And that almost took him out for his movie career. And after that, he just like was never the same. That's why he's put on all this weight, and he's had so many problems ever since that point in time. And he just, like, hasn't come back since. But he's been slowly making his way back with Doom Patrol, and he's in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale, which is coming out soon. So I think this is the uh, Fraser Sans that we've all been waiting for.
3: He's great in uh, the miniseries Trust about the Getty family. He's really Absolutely. Good at that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That Doom Patrol he was unbelievable in, and uh, no, I'm I'm excited to see him back, and even with a small role he was good. Mhm.
0: I didn't even recognize him. I didn't know it was Brendan Fraser until you guys just said that. What?
3: Wow. Oh my gosh. He. I felt a lot of like kind of Orson Welles uh, in Touch of Evil kind of vibes. I don't know if it was just because he's big, but that like, but I I was reminded of that.
1: I heard he uh, watched it every night before going to bed.
3: Oh, um, no, you're no. just. I thought, I thought you were being serious.
1: <laughs> you do hear those stories all the time. Like, uh, actually, funny enough, one the one about Orson Welles watching a stagecoach every night while making Citizen Kane. So there's like always that story for actors, directors. Like, oh, I, I watch this every night. But so, yeah, so cool seeing him. Uh, and really, like, you always kind of saw him as the as this heroic figure and he's kind of like a shady dude. So that was, that was really fun to, to see him kind of like step out of it, you know? Um, I thought there was an interesting line that I really related to. I want to see what you guys thought about it. They, they've assembled the crew, right? And there it's Benicio del Toro, which by the way, did that kind of racist subplot end up feeling not like, um, Maybe that was a COVID thing, like that developed. It was like, oh, Benito Toro is clearly not a fan of 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 Don Cheadle. And then it's like, oh, they're they're cool now. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe that's may yeah. Man being <laughs> Maybe it wasn't that important. Maybe and, okay. Glad you bring up nine double crosses. I started getting very confused about what was what in this movie because at first I thought when they were talking about the idea of this record book, I thought that's what was going to be in the safe, but that's not what was in the safe. It was this document, but it wasn't there. It was with Mel Torme or Flobert or we'll, we'll get into that. But the point I want to make was um I, I could relate to uh, what's Macaulay Culkin's brother's name again? Kieran. Kieran. Yeah. Yeah. The over explaining thing. It's like. Like that's so me. I just love providing details. Like, oh yeah, but if you know, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that and then somebody's like, you know that's what people that lie do, right? And I'm like, No, I swear I'm like the most honest person, like I've i like you'll catch me in a lie, trust me. I'm horrible at lying. So Did just you uh I did, I,
3: Yeah. Did I was gonna say, did you relate heavily when he was gonna murder a whole family?
1: <laughs> I be, I've been in that situation once or twice, yes. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. Um Oh, we got to talk about the line real quick before we really start breaking down this uh this whole double crossing thing and what exactly what the plan was. But the um, can, can we just like take a sec for the line? Well, he knows the combination to the secretary. Huh? Eh? Eh?
2: <laughs>
1: I I thought it, it was perfect. I thought it was yeah. <laughs> it was Yeah. yeah. I would have liked a little more of that like like Give me more versions of that throughout. Like that was kind of like for me, the most memorable line, you know, but but still some other memorable moments sprinkled throughout. So uh, David Harbour in his uh, just erratic self, uh, a lot of like Soderbergh, like, hey, David, why don't you try jumping over the desk? And then, like, like, do it again in this other scene. Like, he's, always, he's jumping over desks left and right in this movie. You guys, you guys notice that? I, I,
2: I did. He was all over the place. And it was, I, I felt like the movie was a bit, it was made for, like, the COVID experience. Everyone was, like, separated. You really ne- rarely saw two people or three people on screen close together. So I felt like oh. he was trying to add something by doing that kind of stuff
1: that's interesting that's an interesting thought and now with the uh insight from trellin that it was done during covid yeah that makes sense that makes sense Mm
0: -hmm. it does yeah there it was like it seemed like it was very yeah there are a lot of scenes where like you feel like there should be more people there and there really weren't you know hmm. like even some of the public scenes like there was never other people like walking on the street
3: you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. You're totally right. There's, like, no extras. <laughs> like, I didn't see any extras. No, you're There's, right. Like, like no extras
0: when, at all. Which I don't like necessarily when, hate, uh, but, like, definitely there were scenes where, like, I was like, oh, that's interesting, but... Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. Oh, guys. Would you want to stay somewhere called the Humpty Dumpty Motel? I know I would. Come on.
3: Is that... was That wasn't the actual name, was it? Or is that just, like, they called it because, like, that's where they would take their secretaries?
1: No, it
0: was actually called that, right? Oh, it
3: uh, was. Like, okay. someone back me up.
0: I don't know. They never showed a sign, so no. Um, they yeah. showed this sign. That's why I'm oh, saying. Oh. So maybe, I, uh, maybe it was.
1: I would bet my life that that there there was a Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> I assume. <laughs> cool.
0: I actually assumed that it was. I never got that it was like. It seemed odd that the secretary would call it like, oh, it's the Humpty Dumpty. You know what I mean? But maybe the person who named it named it that because they knew that's what it would be used
2: for, you know? It it was really Uh, called that. Okay.
1: Wait, wait. So, Kylie, are you positing it's a play on words for hump and dump? Is that what you're saying?
0: That's what Trellum was positing. That's what, yeah. Oh.
1: But I'm (laughs) sure Soderbergh.
0: I could see it being like (laughs) Soderbergh did that intentionally.
3: Yeah. Got it. Got it.
1: Yes, that makes sense. Okay, so... Was someone on the same page as me that I thought they were stealing the record book? That's what was in the safe? That, like, the thing of... Or no?
3: No, I thought it was there was some MacGuffin that we didn't know. And that other record book happened to be one thing that Benicio Del Toro's character had, like, an alternative motive that we didn't know. And he kind of pers- did.
1: But the person that had it... So... When they're talking about it, and I could be wrong, it's not like I rewound Mm -hmm. it or anything, but when they're talking about that record book, it felt to me like, oh, this is something that we're after, whatever. But then they reveal, once Don goes to his hideout, he has that book already. He's had it the whole time, right? So it's like something he stole?
2: In the past, maybe, but it was in that suitcase he grabbed from, I don't know if that was his ex-girlfriend or what she was to him, but when he stopped by that house. He grabs that little record book, and I think it says that on the front cover. And then Benicio Del Toro, of course, sees what he's pulling out. So he knew what was going on, too. Mm -hmm.
1: But so, yeah, so Kieran, Kiernan, Kieran, Kieran, Kieran.
3: Now you got me doing it.
1: (laughs) Call him KK. Uh, He was he was talking about the book. I had it in my mind. That's what they're after. It turns out that's Ray Liotta's book. Ray Liotta looking great. Great to see him back. Uh, I just saw the other day, I may have sent this to Mazza, that he, like, when the Irishman was being developed. Oh. You saw that? I know, that.
3: I know this is so sad.
1: <laughs> yeah, he on Instagram. Like It just felt like, like this was like a middle schooler's post where he's like, here's a photo of me and Bobby De Niro and Joe Pesci and Martin Scorsese on the set of Goodfellas. Ah, my, how I love those guys, and I know that, you know, the part wasn't for me in this new movie. They just couldn't fit me in. I wish them all the best. I just, I wish I was really there with them. It was so, like, oh, no, he's so sad. He just wants to hang out with his friends. I Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so uh, we get Julia Fox, which looks like someone that... <laughs> Looks like someone that, that could have lived in that uh, in that time. And then Amy Seinmetz, the the kind of protege of Soderbergh almost looks like a like a Julia Fox clone. It's just like, oh like this could be like her sister or something. Um, did anyone else wish they kind of saw a little conclusion for that family?
3: Um uh, no. no, I think I was good on it. But, like, Julia sure. Fox's character also kind of doesn't, has an open-ended, kind of odd ending to her, like, her storyline. She just lets the, um, cop run off with the, with the money. Even though she has a gun. And it's not even a real cop. When she, like, loses the money then, she like, pulls her over.
1: Was all of the, was, all of the money was in that suitcase,
2: right? Yes. Yes.
3: Okay. Okay. And we go to the middle, and then conclusion. Sure. Can you sure. see me now? Yeah. We, hey, yeah. We,
1: yeah. Glad to have okay. you back.
2: Good.
0: Awesome.
1: Okay. Um, uh, give me two seconds. <clears throat> All right. We're back in. Awesome. Okay. I. Go ahead, Kylie.
0: I have a question for you guys about, like, sort of related to Julia Fox, I guess, because she was probably the most from an example, at least for me, of it. But, and I don't want to say this is for everyone that was in the film, but I felt like th- when I see a lot of these types of films where it's like they're new noir trying to imitate noir films from this decade, I feel like the majority of the actors are just sort of mimicking acting from that time as opposed to actually acting as the character. Which is, mm-hmm. to me, is a little bit problematic because I wouldn't say that the acting in many of those films is, uh, is amazing anyway. So it just sort of, like, is this, becomes this sort of like, at least for me, a lot of it becomes, like, this sort of cartoony um, interpretation of 40s actors that isn't very, doesn't draw me in. Like, there are definitely people that I didn't feel like that was a part of. Like, definitely Don Cheadle, Brendan Fraser, like, those guys were great. Um, but it, the guy who played Russo, even, was, like, mm-hmm. he was great. But I felt like a lot of the, the smaller parts like, you know, like, Matt Damon, like, uh, some of the side characters, like, Julia Fox and the wife, like, they, they almost felt like they were imitating, like, people from the 40s, as opposed to, like, acting like humans, which, I, like, for me, like, sucks me out.
3: I agree with you with Julia Fox, and it was bothering me in, like, the beginning, like, her first scenes, but then, uh, the switch happens where she's, like, kind of a cold-blooded murderer, and then I, like, started to forgive it. It's, like, almost, she's almost, like, putting on a housewife facade for the people she's around
1: exactly so then i kind of forgave yeah. that yeah although she must have some wolverine powers or some shit because uh she healed up really quickly it really felt like it was one day to the next and just she went from all these bruises to nothing
3: oh that's right i forgot about that
1: yeah i was like oh my uh, god
3: what? is this is everyone okay there
1: you yeah. know what I take back my compliments to the makeup department. They can... You know, they really drop the ball on that That's list. continuity.
0: I, mean, I feel like that's a scripty. I feel like that's scripty's fault, but...
1: Yeah. <laughs> Whoever has the blame, uh, we we caught you. We caught you right-handed. Uh, so, Chal- like, you... Oh, go ahead, Kylie.
0: No, I was just going to add on to what I... The, there are definitely a few scenes where I... Like, that was a problem for me. Like, a lot of the scenes between the secretary and um, the husband were... Just like they, especially when it was just them one on one, it was just a lot for me because I was like, this is really just feels like they're imitating people from this time.
2: Hmm. I I didn't even feel the emotion in those scenes at all. Mm -hmm. It was really tough to like feel like they had any connection at all or that Harbor had been sleeping with her. Even when they got to the motel room, it like felt like a fake romance.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was not feeling
2: that at all for whatever reason. Yeah, and
0: like I didn't, yeah, and I mean, I. Like, I felt like no emotional engagement to most of the characters, I would say, which is a problem. And I know that because, like, when they died, the only person I really cared about dying was Russo. And I think yeah. that was because you saw that he loved her. And, like, that I could, now that I've seen him display an emotion, I was like, oh, I can sort of get with that. And while I think, like, Don Cheadle's performance was great for, like, what the character was, I think the writing of the character itself didn't have enough moments of, like, him being a person for me to get that he had that moment with that one woman but like it never explained who she was or what his relation was to her i don't know if that was something that they cut out because of time or covid or what but like i never found out who she was so i was like oh i don't i can't feel for him in this so then when he almost died i was like i don't care
1: i was like is that is that her dad or her new boyfriend
0: (laughs) yeah i was like is this his is this his ex-wife? Is this his ex-girlfriend? Was he cheating on her, the other guy with, her? like, I don't know what the situation was. And he just left and they're like, don't come back here.
3: Um, I mean, is this
0: is his landlord.
3: Uh, I was going to say, this might answer a couple of things about the, pro- the creative process Soderbergh did for this movie, but he would work with the writer and like, it does, the movie doesn't really feel neat. Like a lot, a lot of the storylines don't really wrap up in a nice bow, but, uh, He'd be like, "Oh, I like this movie scene. This uh, '70s movie. Make me this a scene of like like that." And the writer would just be like, "Oh, okay." So then, like at the end, you just get like a the network scene, like a diet version of the network with like Matt Damon, like you know. Uh, gotcha,
1: gotcha.
0: Is-
3: yeah, So like but that's funny. a weird way to do it. Yeah.
0: I have to say that was actually one of it, it felt like it was longer, but I feel like that was one of my favorite scenes in the film. Just because mm-hmm. Matt, like, you could, it was a weird moment of character development for that guy. That I was like, oh, he really just cares about, like, he has a need for control. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, I mean, it, we didn't get to see him show that anywhere else, which is disappointing. But, like, it did feel yeah. like, oh, like, now I know who this person is a little bit. Yeah.
3: Totally agree.
1: Let's take it back just for a, a little bit. I know Charlie you wanted to we skipped over the the house invasion scene. You wanted to say a few things about that.
3: I just wanted to see, like kind of maybe go through the plot a little bit, but like the first like 30 minutes of this movie are basically a home invasion movie, and I think that might be my favorite part of the movie. It was, the, yeah. it was like when I I had my like most of my attention, and I felt most engaged, but uh you kind of get set up we it's three strangers who go on get a assigned for some job that's uh, by some mob and it, it goes awry pretty quickly. And that's basically the, the setup of the movie.
1: Yeah. I was just, yeah. yeah. The, finding the crew. It's, it's kind of like a heist movie that gets like right to it. Like we we're mm-hmm. finding out the job as they are. So that's like an interesting perspective for sure. And then they get right into it with like some interesting mass. I've never seen those types of like mass on, it just kind of looked like a lone ranger. Know, yeah yeah i guess like Lone ranger but like it was like the the extra large version they had a lot of uh like flap left on the sides
3: (laughs) i i didn't see like the purpose like from at that point like i would be able to identify someone i think if i saw a lineup i'm like oh that guy was wearing that weird mask that where i could see his mouth nose and ears and eyes like it's like not covering a whole lot yeah (laughs) like what was
1: the point of that like yeah, yeah yeah what was
3: the point yeah I think We're that's cool. what
1: uh, that's what Kieran and Colkin realized. He just took it off, but as oh, yeah, yeah, they're kind of li- leaving those breadcrumbs of like, oh, he—they're not showing us their faces. They don't want to hurt us. So once he took it off, it was like, oh uh, shit, like, damn. Yeah. And then after that, everything gets bungled up. Uh, we go. Uh, John Hamm comes in. He's investigating the crime. I would have loved to see like a like a Daniel Craig Knives Out, but like the John John Hamm version, you know, where he's just kind of like maybe licked his finger and held it up in the middle of the room and was like, I know what happened here. Like he just did some shit. You know? <laughs> he was like a really smart detective. He was smart though. I mean, he knew he knew uh, people were lying and he caught the kid in the line and stuff. But um, Don Cheatle ends up hiring the, these guns to protect them. I know I, I kind of might be skipping around, but uh, going a little ahead, but I wanted to ask you guys about that. Were those his hired gun? I mean, they had to have been, right? The guys that killed Brendan Fraser in the restaurant? That was, like, his, his muscle that he hired, right? Th-
2: that's what I got from what was going on, because he had just negotiated yeah. that sequence prior. Yeah. hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, for his own protection. And uh, honestly, I didn't know where it was really going with him until, like, that, that shootout happened. I was like, okay, he's got his protection, because... I thought Billy Duke might screw him in the end and just, like, let things happen.
1: Yeah, I was uh, – <laughs> Billy Duke. I was like, wait, who is that character? Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's like you don't see the muscle with him, so you're kind of like, wait, what's going on? And so it was like a nice, like, makes you forget. And then what did he do? He just, like, kind of smacked, like, the the the, like, the utensils or there was, like, a drink on the table. A plate,
3: like, at Fraser. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he just kind of swiped and then they they blasted the poor guy. Yeah. yeah. I wanted a little more phrase, but it's all good. See yeah. him next summer in Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Oh, man. Does <laughs> he play? <laughs> I'm excited. <inside>. No. <laughs> no,
3: this is real, Trellin. I was just to say, does he play the whale? That was a mean joke, though. I'm sorry. He, he
2: does play yeah. the whale. He's the whale. Are you serious?
3: Yeah. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my
2: God. Yes, this,
0: this yes. Is he really, he really?
1: Oh, my I'm, God. I'm, I'm, I'm 100% positive.
0: How could he be a uh, whale, though? Like, what, what would that? Is this like a... Oh,
1: no, it's a euphemism,
3: Kylie. Gotcha. I'm not a fan of Aronofsky.
1: <laughs> I,
0: I'm before. never through with Darren Aronofsky. Like, I can't, you know?
1: Sure, sure.
3: Like yeah. Yeah,
1: he will play a 600-pound man. It's going to be like how
0: is That was work.
1: Oh my god. I know. <laughs> I know.
0: That movie will definitely be on my radar.
1: They're going to yeah. consult the people that did uh Ben Stiller's makeup on um at, at the end of Dodgeball. You know what I'm talking about? Gee, oh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So there's this whole kerfuffle Oh, hold on, hold on. We have to talk about this moment where they... <laughs> uh, David Harbour has to beat up this, like... I mean, you know, maybe the oh. guy was shady, dangerous... But it was so, so uncomfortable. It was so uncomfortable that he, like, beats this guy up. It wasn't even fun, right? But
3: he. Beats I thought this that was guy. funny. Oh, you did? Yeah. I thought it was I funny like the... just because he didn't want to lose his job. He's like, I'm so I... sorry. Look, I have to do show... this.
1: He's like, the fact that I'm doing this should show you how much I care... Because, like, I hate doing this, and I'm being forced to... Yeah, that was funny. But Benicio Toro's like, Fuck, man, it's been a long day, man. And he just fucking throws the blanket on the wife. But I love how they're talking, and he's like, Like, we can't go to the police, honey. Like, you don't. those men aren't coming back, I promise. And they just show up like, Hey there, uh, we're back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: it's like, oh, Oh, fuck. that was such a funny payoff. <laughs> that was great. That was great. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, but it also,
0: then, it was also to like when she like he doesn't know who they are, but like she does too. Yeah, she's
3: like, "What
1: the uh, fuck are you guys
0: he doing?" He only mm-hmm. saw the guy he works for, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I want to just talk about the. We can skip skip over the the Matt Damon part. They they kind of do this this the little deal. They have the document split it in two. We're gonna get our money. Now wait, before I say that, I do have a question. That guy they were gonna sell to, uh, Naismith, Matt Damon knew him. So was he like an underling in the company? Were were they getting a payout from the same company in two different things? And he, that guy was gonna run with those plans to so another company. Like what was who was that guy Naismith? What was going on? I
0: nope. think yeah. he was an underling. I think what happened was. That, like, he had sort of hired, like, Naismith to an extent or something. And they, because they said they're like, let's go over his head. Yeah. They were like, yeah. Naismith does not seem professional enough to be by himself. So, they're like, let's see who hired Naismith.
1: Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think.
0: I'm not sure. Maybe Naismith was a loose cannon or just wanted it in general. You would think, I guess, that, like, if he was an underling, maybe he would have updated Matt Damon's character. I don't know. But...
1: Yeah, it's like he I was... He I he like...
0: worked
2: for...
1: It's like he went rogue.
0: Yeah, maybe he did. He might have gone rogue.
1: Yeah. And then, because I love Matt Damon, like, hello, Hugh. Like, you're just like, oh, shit, if he's calling him by his first name. <laughs> like, oey, oey. It is, especially when they established that Matt Damon was like this, you know, kind of the head honcho. But um Billy Duke shows up with his crew, and you're like, okay, like, this was Don Cheadle paying back his debt, you know, for... Very mysterious movie like you brought up earlier, Kylie. We don't find out anything about the past. All we know is he's trying to get to like what was it, Ohio and buy some land. I guess he's Kansas trying to live city. Kansas city. Oh Kansas City. I was gonna Missouri. say He's gonna, he's yeah. gonna... <laughs> he's gonna live the, <laughs> the the Dave Chappelle life, but no, that's a different life. And um Billy Duke is like, nah, I don't even want that money. Like that he says this money's expensive. Which I thought was a great line. <laughs> yeah, almost to say like this is this money's gonna bring some shit with it. Like fuck that, I'll just take you. And um, yeah, for a second I kind of was like, oh man, what are we? Is it gonna be one of those like uh, Django climaxes where we're gonna see him in like a safe house and he's gonna have to bust out and shit? You know, like I was really ready for like a showdown, but it was cool to see that he um, that everything worked out. Yeah,
0: I do have a question. Like, what? Just want your guys' takes on it. For characters that are so, maybe less so Russo, but Don Cheadle's character especially, that are so seasoned in that field or, like, that area of, like, crime and, like, gang, sort of, and for someone as intelligent as Don Cheadle's character seems to be, they just made so many easy mistakes, and they were so trusting. Why do you think they were so trusting of these people? Especially Don Cheadle, because he... I get where it helped him in the situation of um, Ray Liotta's character, of taking him down. But, like, I can't understand how he didn't see, like, trusting the other guy come back to bite him. You know what I mean? Like, that should be... Like, for me, any crime movie i ever seen, like, any, you know, like, crime situation, like, the rules of someone, like, is gonna try to kill you, there's no situation where they're not eventually gonna try to kill you again because they want to kill you, you know? Like, that's, like, fellas, you know... Number one is, like, if someone wants to take you out, like, it doesn't matter what you have on them. They're still going to eventually want to take you out.
3: I think you're right. He might have felt, like, almost like Benicio del Toro owed him as much of, like, his life. Because he, like, basically, like, could have killed him and taken the money in the first, like, the home invasion. Because that's what the orders were, were to kill him or turn him in. And he didn't do that. So maybe he felt like, oh, he's so indebted to me that he won't turn on me like why would he like i'd be dead if it wasn't for him that's like the only thing i could wrap my brain around like the only reason yeah like like
0: i when he trusted like the other guy william i think it's william whatever character like the other gang that was trying to kill him i never never understood that because it seemed like he would be too smart to make that mistake well yeah
3: that doesn't make sense
1: if i had to give a counter argument i think he was like look this guy's clearly powerful. Whether I go to Kansas City. I mean, this guy's like, he'll tell the, the you know, the chipmunk he sees on the street about Kansas City. He's telling everyone about his plans. So <laughs> it's like, so they probably knew he was going to go there or to find him there eventually. So he was probably like, I'd rather not be looking over my back. You know, I'd rather be like, I settled everything. So maybe he was like, fuck it. It's either this or nothing. You know, I'd rather pay all my debt and be free than, than be looking over my shoulder the rest of my life. That's, it's a good point, Kylie. That's my justification
2: for it if i had to think i really think back to the line that that money's expensive when i think about don Cheadle and how he got out of everything because the second i heard that from aldrick who's billy duke's character um i felt like don Cheadle only wanted five thousand from the get-go he never wanted anything extra he just wanted nope. his way out yeah mm-hmm. so i yeah, felt yeah. like that was like foreshadowing that like Hey, he's not asking for the world. He's just trying to get out of here. And Billy Duke was the same exact way, so they were going to settle and everything was going to be fine as long as he got paid and that guy got paid. So it was the best of both worlds for both of them. They they knew they didn't want to get themselves in any other trouble, so they took what they had and they walked away.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah, totally. I was going to bring up... Um... Shit, guys. I'll let it out. Sorry. It slipped my mind. I forgot what I was going to say.
0: I have another question. Why do we think that John Hamm's character gave all that money back to Matt Damon's character? Like, I get why he gave the 406000 because he thought that was stolen. But I was confused as to why he gave his bonus to Matt Damon. Remember, they because paid him off. At the I'll
1: tell you why. This, this comes back to the Hugh part because, again, that was also part of his money. I believe it was the same like company organization, the same pot of money, it all came from the same place.
0: But then where does John Hamm benefit from giving that up to him? Cuz it you know what I mean? No, it's the table.
1: I agree. No, I agree. Like why I guess I wish I had like a good answer. Um <laughs> I, I, I I did not write this movie. Uh, surprise. But um I guess it was because he just wanted to play it safe.
0: Uh, That's where the question is like, are these things that we're not understanding or are these just potholes? You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I think, yeah, I think he purposely led a lot, led a a lot of stuff to like interpretation or just like, Hey, maybe not everything has to be answered. Just like, but yeah.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I mean, look at the end, the fucking the the, it does one of those things like just like Aaron Brockovich you know it's like did you know that in you know 1970 whatever the the this corporation fucked over a bunch of people like that's like several Soderbergh movies and it's like dude it's like this is what, what an interesting way to like get people to to like know about like this issue it's like oh a crime movie and then by the end it's like you know that the automobile industry are a bunch of bastards, like, and um. So I think now it was I just kind of. want
0: to see that movie. Now I want to see. Yeah. It. I'd rather see that the court movie. I want to see the movie about the trial.
3: It felt a little tacked on. Like there was nothing. Yeah. Like I feel like there should have been a scene. Maybe maybe you don't need something as obvious as like newsreel footage in the beginning, but like there needs to be something within the background of the movie that would like. I don't know, help lead to that conclusion or, like, kind of, like, find our way there. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, like, it was an interesting thing to have in terms of, like, framing the plot around it, but it was not mm-hmm. significant to have all that information about that incident to the, like, actual thing, um, you know?
1: Yeah. Look, check it out. I I know Julia Fox, like, old friend, got her number. Let's hit her up. Let's shoot a scene this weekend, right? Uh, she, like, <laughs> coughs after, like, a car drives by, you know? Like, the the pollution... And uh, that that'll, <laughs> that'll fit nicely into the to to kind of get, give the ending a little more oomph, you know? Yeah, there you go. Oh my god. <laughs> but no, that's definitely a fair point. But but I guess like I guess, what I was trying to say was that if if the ending of of the movie is saying that if it's like. And just remember, kids. Like this movie was about the big guy versus the all the little people, and that it was kind of showing that, like, like even this the the police, like the you know head guy, wants to give this money to also just be clean of everything. Like he he just got to submit to the top. I think is how I I read it. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, maybe I don't know. Like I felt the same thing with Logan Lucky, not in a bad way. Just like it feels like these two films are more like. They're meant to be, like, just movies that you go to the movie. Like, they're not meant to hold, like, a lot. Which isn't necessarily... Like, they're not meant to hold, like, a lot. For me, they didn't seem to hold, like, a lot of thematic moments to them Is like, you should act this way. Which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Because sometimes you just want to go to the movies to, like, experience movies. You know? And, like, that was sort of what those era of films were sort of about. Like, the Maltese Falcon doesn't have all these, like... I mean, I'm sure it does have some. But it doesn't have, like, a ton of, like, in-depth, like, thematic meanings about... Morality and other stuff. It's just meant to sort of be a crime movie and like take you on an experience, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I do. You're right. Look, this is a good comparison to Logan Lucky that I do almost wish it was more like it. You know, like bump up the like less of the, the, the kind of like the, the yeah, like you know, bump up the fun a bit more because you're right. Logan Lucky, you just go and you know, the, the kind of thing is like don't be. Like, don't be greedy. Be smart. You know they kind of laid it out from the beginning, and it's just like, oh, cool. It all worked out. Like, and the the yeah. bad people got fucked over for their shitty behavior, and the the people that got screwed over they they won, and it's like awesome. So, um, yeah, no, right. it should have been a little more subtle for sure. But it's very Soderberg-
0: simple. Like, sorry.
3: Oh, that's okay. You go ahead. Here you go.
0: I was just gonna say that, like, Logan Lucky is like, it's very, like, a simple theme, like, there's not really a lot of thematic depth to it, but that's okay, because it's not meant to be that type of movie, it's meant to be, like, this is a movie that you're gonna go have an experience, you're gonna go see it in the theater, it's gonna be fun, you're gonna get emotionally attached to the characters and feel the ups and downs, whereas, like, it seemed like this was trying for that, but then it didn't quite hit it, but, like, that's maybe why it's lacking some of these things to it, I don't know, but...
3: I was just going to say, I think that's when Soderbergh's at his best, when it's like simple and just like he's clearly having fun with all the actors around him. Like, I think out of sight, it's just it's like what if an FBI agent fell in love with a, a bank robber and it's super simple and it's, it's just super fun. So, yeah, that's when Fuck he's I'm not watching that Sanders. right
1: now. That sounds so you've cool. never seen it never seen it
3: oh it's so good it's his
1: best movie hands down <laughs> literally all of you rolled your heads back like how oh, yeah. could
0: you <laughs> i haven't seen it so i was like yeah uh-huh. apparently i have to see it too and
1: We're jennifer
3: lopez is is great in it and i've i've i haven't seen hustlers but this that was like the first time i saw her in a movie i was like holy shit like she's really good it, it but surprised James me
0: lopez, like a great actress oddly enough like i Challenge. wouldn't expect it, but she really is good
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You have a Selena poster in the back. What do you mean you haven't seen a good Jennifer Lopez movie?
3: That's uh, true. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Fair point. <laughs> well, okay. is is there – do we want to wrap it up here? Anything else you guys want to bring up about this uh, this experience we we had the pleasure of viewing?
0: I just uh... think it...
3: – Oh, sorry. You go ahead. You...
0: you can cut this part out, Alan. Colin, yeah. you go ahead because mine is like more uh... to the episode. To
3: the- I was just going to say if you like, want to double feature with this there's Some maybe better Neo-Noirs There's a better Neo-Noir about the automobile industry Which is the nice guys Uh Let's see you got The Killings Kubrick's The Killing which is great That reminded me of this a lot And then just watch Out of Sight because it's, it's really awesome
0: The Killing is a great movie
1: Yeah When you said the other Are you talking about the Russell Crowe Ryan Gosling movie?
3: The Nice Guys, yeah, that's a neo noir about the tears of the auto industry and like I fer- the pollution. I forgot
1: that it was about the auto industry. I, I gotta rewatch yeah. it. It was it was fun. Yeah, nice. Mazda.
2: I mean, everything Trellin hit on out of sight. It's like one of my favorite movies. So so cool. That that's on there. Aaron Brockovich. I mean, I used to watch it with my mom all the time. So I can't believe Soderbergh went from Aaron Brockovich. Honestly. It relates, and I didn't even think about that going into this movie at the end, like, that ending scene where it's just, like, going over everything that just, the the huge connection to the automobile industry and then, and Aaron Brockovich. But, no, it was a surprise, and I, I, I thought it would be mo- more than what it was, but I also wasn't in a movie theater watching this movie, and I was waiting for that giant group scene of, like, everyone a part of the heist, like, having that good moment together before things, like, went haywire, but it never hit. It yeah. was just like chaos from the beginning.
1: Yeah, yeah. Once it fell apart, it just kept falling apart throughout. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um,
0: so what was everyone's overall enjoyment of this for someone that hasn't seen the film? Like, if you were going to rate it out of five stars, where would it rank for you?
3: Three and a half. Like, it, it's like re- it's like really solid and competent. There's not a lot. I think my biggest gripe with it is the lens. I that It bothered me throughout the movie.
1: Sometimes you you make decisions like shoot on an iPhone or use a wonky lens, and uh, some people like it, some people don't. You know?
3: Oh, that's another one to think. A lot of people call Soderbergh like an experimental filmmaker, which I I agree with, but it, he's the safest. Exper- yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's uh... like oh, Meryl Streep's in the movie. Like, yeah, that's like <laughs> that's not like that's not a huge risk. Like with a Meryl Streep, you know, in the movie, you know.
1: <laughs> hey i got my buddies uh matt damon and george clooney being in this week but it's experimental okay it's uh it's, yeah,
3: yeah so risky how brave yeah. of you <laughs>
1: like,
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, i'd have to give it a three and a half two or a four i mean it, it's tough because steven soderbergh so you, you're like comparing it against all of his films
0: mm-hmm. but even
2: i think i think he does a good job of making the main characters not like take over the film and uh, I think that's what makes this film great. It's similar to, like, how he does it with, I know it's impossible to think of Oceans as not being, like, George Clooney and Brad Pitt's movie or Julia Roberts. But I think he does a good job of separating everyone there. And even if you go back to, like, Haywire, which was with Gina Carano, she wasn't the main character there. It was, like, a, a, everyone else was a part of that story, and she was just a, the piece uh, piece of that. So I, I, I thought it was great. I definitely recommend it. I wish I could have watched it in a movie theater, though. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I think it's a it's a good time. If if you're a fan of of his work, I say go for it. And it was so great to see uh, the Frage back on the screen and doing his thing. And th- there's enough moments to where this is worth your. It's it's worth your Friday night. Just like surprisingly, the Megan Fox movie Till Death. That's right. I said it. Go check it out.
0: <laughs> see, I disagree. I feel like it was sort of like. I, I enjoyed it. I would I would go for more like two and a half, three stars because I, I enjoyed it. And I think if you like, if you're really into neo-noir films or Soderbergh, like you'll like it and enjoy it. But I for me at least, like the performances were not engaging enough, most of them. For me, like the I was fine with the lens and like I enjoyed some of the other stuff, but like some of the performances were just too much. Like I could not engage in them enough. And for me, like emotional engagement is like one of the biggest like key portions of like the viewing um that i because i couldn't engage and i just couldn't like it wasn't as emotionally like impactful to me
1: that's fair you heard it you heard it here folks lower your expectations when seeing this (laughs) no i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah uh i think overall we all we all had fun with it to a certain degree so um Mm -hmm. hey better than fast nine right am i right guys right I I couldn't tell you. It's all about family. They ever tell you guys you're all like my family? No. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, enough of that. hope everyone has a great week. Have some fun. Watch something cool. And we'll see everyone here next time. Bye-bye. Bye.